All right. Parashat Chukat opens with um, the very well-known parasha dealing with Paraduma. Uh, the nature of Paraduma is such that it's able to be matire, it, it's able to pure, purify one who's come into contact with uh, too much mates um, by making use of this uh, solution that um, the Paraduma, the ashes of the Paraduma is mixed together with this uh, Mechatat, the water. And this particular, uh, this, this, this whole entire institution is called, is defined for us as Zot Chukat Torah. But so many details that make it uh, difficult to really explain. And so our job is to try and uh, at least uh, get some sort of an insight into it uh, based on the famous statement that Shlomo Amelech makes with regard to this concept of, of Paraduma. So Shlomo Amelech is, uh, is quoted in Kohelet, Perikzayin, Pasuk Chav Gimel, with a famous statement. Uh, Shlomo Melech considers the nature of Paraduma, um, and uh, the interpretation of this verse is Amarti uh, Echkama. I thought you know, that I was, I said about myself that I was, you know, blessed with wisdom. I thought I was smart. I'd uh, developed an entire understanding of Torah, but really, the here Chokami many. You know, I said I would become wise, but I see that this this um, this din of paraduma is uh, beyond is beyond me. Uh, the midrash interprets this pasuk, which is pretty cryptic. But the midrash says that Shlomo Melech was referring to the mitzvah of paraduma as being you know ab- uh, above his his understanding. Um, and uh, under- let's let's say like this: understanding the midrash. Um, at at first blush, you'll see, you you come to the point where you say, okay, Shlomo Melech, he was able to say about himself that he he got all of Torah, uh, except for the mitzvah of uh, of Paraduma. Um, and then uh, the pasuk ends saying that Rachok Mashiaya, the Amok Amok Miim Tsaena. Uh, it's it's so, you know. It's so distant, uh, so deep, you know, nobody can really, you know, get down to the bottom of it. And uh, this particular um, extension of the Pasuk, as, as when you read it at first, maybe it's, it's, it's saying the same thing as the, first, as the first part of it, where he says, I thought I was, uh, I would become wise, but really, and then it, this just expands on that. And one could interpret that when he's saying "rachok mashaya," you know, um, what was you know what is what is so far, uh, what is so you know most distant is what was It is so deep. Who can even who can even contemplate it? So, our our particular interest is to try and uncover what what Shlomo Melech was really communicating to us about. The, this concept of uh, the paraduma. Now, when the Torah opens up and teaches us uh, about this chok, as stated, the words in the in the Torah say zot chukat Torah. That's the opening phrase. And many inter- and many question why that phrase was used. 
Uh, rather just call it Zot Chukat Hapara. You know, we, we talk about Korban Pesach like that. We say Zot Chukat Pesach. This could be Zot Chukat Hapara. Yet the Torah chooses to define the Paraduma as Zot Chukat Torah. This is, now we normally understand that to mean that this is the, the, the most confusing. This is the most irrational mitzvah that we had, and therefore it's considered uh, Zot Chukat Torah. Uh, but we'll see now when we look at uh, some of the comments of uh, of the Mufarshim, specifically the Beit Halevi, we'll see that um, he has an interpretation and insight as how to understand uh, this label of Zot Chukat Torah and the 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 depth of Rav, of, of Shlomo Melech's uh, statement. So the Beit Halevi has a comment along the following lines as follows, and he says. That um, in Parshat Kitisa, this is where he makes this particular uh, comment, and he says like this: We understand that there's a tradition that there are 613 mitzvot in Torah, and um, the 613 mitzvot are divided into 248 positive and 365 negative, and each component. Um, runs parallel to a part of the body. Yeah, there, there are 248 limbs and there are 365 uh, gidin, you know, sinews. And the Beit HaLevi takes this idea uh, that we find in Chazal that the relationship between mitzvot uh, and, uh, you know, and, and us um, is similar to what the different parts of the body are to each other. And so the entire body is networked. And so all of mitzvot and Torah is really networked, you know, as, as well. So one, one is forced to see that every single mitzvah is connected to each other, just like the sinews connect each limb in the, in the body. And so in order to function properly as a, as a body, you've got to have all of them working together. All the different bits and pieces. Uh, today we we um, we study the the science of genetics, and uh, when we look at uh, when we look at genetics, one starts to um, get you know get an appreciation for the fact that um, any any minute cell in our body um, it doesn't just come together and 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 in partnership with other parts of the body, other cells function. But what's unique about genetics is that it, it demonstrates that in each in each cell, in you you have the you have the genetic code of the whole body. In other words, all you need is a in theory is is one cell of the body, and in theory you could const construct an entire person from any given cell in the body. Um, so even though as much as any cell or body part has its own independent identity, uh, nevertheless, each cell contains within it a representation of uh, of the entirety of uh, of the of the being. Uh, there's a um, there's a a discussion that we find um, in the Gemara, which uh, talks about the concept of the res the resurrection of the Tchiatamaitim, the resurrection of every being. That is deserved to be resurrected at the end of days. Uh, and the concept of this idea that Akosh Baruch Hu 
that we've incorporated as a, fun, as a as a foundation of our faith. It's one of the Yud Gimel Ikrim in the Rambam, that we believe in Tchiat HaMaitim. So the Gemara discusses how this Tchiat HaMaitim will actually, uh, will actually take place. Like, what, what happens there? Now, the the way uh, the way that that um, the way that 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 Hillel you know demonstrates this to us is um, is by telling us that there's a substance that remains long after the body has decayed. So, in certain areas of Chazal in the Chachmah Kabbalah literature, we find this concept of a a loose bone that there's a bone that's apparently at the at the base of your spine, that that bone, as far as the Gomorrah is concerned, you know, never n- never decomposes. Now, from a scientific point of view, we don't, I don't believe we see that play itself out, meaning, is it really true that there's a bone that never ever decomposes? Or do you say, no, after a certain amount of time, there'll be nothing left. So, you know, I, I would say I don't, I don't know scientifically, but I would I would guess that you know you'd have to really uh, you'd have to you have to prove this point. But you know, when you when you look at some of the other midrashim, which talk about what does the loose bone actually stand for, so we can metaphorically interpret it, it may be that the loose bone never gets destroyed, but assuming that it does that it does literally it does it does decompose. Maybe it represents something, and the metaphor is a certain a certain concentration of the human being left in a minute a bone of the body. Um, in the in the language of of the Chachma Kabbalah, you have what's known as the word rekev. Rekev is kind of the the rot, you know, of a uh, of a of a human body. Now, I think I remember reading. In the literature of uh, of Rav Arya Kaplan's Atzal, where he has an essay on this idea of the resurrection of the of the body, and um, he he interprets he he says it over well. He says that in modern in modern speak we can say that when we talk about a rekev the rot it's it's a it's a breakdown of the cells. It's like it's some sort of it's some sort of ability that um, or the method that Hashem will use to recreate the human being again in he or her, his or hers entirety is the ability to be able to take a cell that remains all you need is one cell and and that cell you know in the words of the of the of that garita is like hashem sprinkles a bit of dew a bit of tal on the actual on the rot of the body and out of that akosh baruch recreates the where the human being is coming from in, in other words However, you want to interpret what what happens in the time to tiatamatim, but there's this principle that you don't need a lot, you know, if you have if you have the the, the so-called um, if you have the tool the toolkit, if you have the knowledge, if you have the, because Baruch doesn't have to to perform a miracle, um, you know, and create a human being back from nothing. In other words, when you're comparing which is a greater miracle, we talk of the resurrection as 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 almost the greatest miracle that there is. But Chazal point out that 
the formation of a baby is much greater than a, in Tchiyat HaMesim. You know, with Tchiyat HaMesim, HaKosh Baruch Hu has something to work with. You know, with, with, you know, with, a, with, with a, a man and a woman uh, creating a child, man, that's like, you know, that, that cellular data, which is unbelievably, unbelievably miraculous. Anyway, the point being is that all you need now in the world of genetics is to understand that every cell of our body contains the genetic code of the entire body. So out of one little piece, you are able to reconstruct an entire person. So, you know, that's that's the vorta over here. So the beta lady sees inside this uh, metaphor in Chazal, you know, that, uh, that Chazal have taken this idea that the Torah is comprised of 613 mitzvot and breaks it down into yeah, mitzvot asay, mitzvot lot asay, 248 positive, 365 negative, you know, and, and Chazal take that idea of the Torah's components and compare it to a human body. The comparison, again, is deeper than just saying, you know, there's, there's, there's a part of the body that is uh, that, that relates to a certain area of Torah or that, um, you know, the body needs to be whole to work together. Or the entire body works together. It's deeper than that. It's that just as every single cell in the body has a prototype of every other cell in the body. So Torah is exactly the same. Torah is exactly the same as this understanding of the genetics of a body. And therefore, every mitzvah, which is part of a system called Torah, contains within it the, the genetic code of the entire Torah. And that's the chidush over here, that there's this ultimate interplay between, you know, uh, every single mitzvah that exists, and this is uh, this is the chiddush set that comes out of this. Uh, there's a uh, there's a sefer that uh, that I have at home, um, which is actually a, a, a quite precious from a family point of view, because it was it was written it was written by the brother of the Gaon of Vilna. His name is Rabbeinu Avram. He's referred to Rabbeinu Avram Achiagra. And um, he, he in our in our particular family tree, he's like we're a direct uh, nine generations uh, direct descendant of of him. And uh, so we have this, we have, uh, we have, um, we had years. I mean, you know, going back to the beginning of the last century, we had we had a, a relative who was a who was part of the the family, and. Um, and made Aliyah together with the Talmudim of the Gra. Um, so the Gra died in, in 1797. And, and, and 10 years later, in 1807, this Rabbeinu Avram Gra passes away. And, and in 1807, the, this group of Talmudim Agra, you know, uh, put effort into making Aliyah and, uh, and making this artist journey and trying to set up what was to become the, the issue of Ayashan. Um, you know, today you would look at it and say, may I show him? It was the closest uh, they could get to, to the old city walls. And that's where they set up, they set up the Taminim of the ground, Yerushalayim set up their Yishuv, you know, there. Anyway, the, one, of the, one of the family members um, was Gebench to, be, to become quite wealthy. And, um, he then financed the publication of this particular sefer. 
uh, that was penned by Rabbeinu Avraham Achiagra. And the cipher is called Malota Torah. And it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a Litvisha Musar cipher, if you will. And um, he, Rabbeinu Avraham, writes like this. He says that there's a Pasuk in Mishlei, which we all sing, you know, Torah is compared to a tree. It's a, a tree of life. For those who, who grasp it, and those who support it will be benched. Um, and, and he has the same kind of chidushia. He echoes the same idea. That why is Torah compared to a tree? He says, you know, because simply the roots of the tree, you know, spread into branches and each branch creates a, a, a stem and the stem gives rise to fruit. And each fruit has many seeds, and every single seed is capable of producing the entire tree. In other words, embedded in the DNA of the of the of the seed is the entire is the entire tree with its roots, branches, stems, and leaves. All you know, and all you need is one seed to be able to produce another tree. So you can, you know. We uh, we discussed this quite a number of months back in in uh, in Masechet Kiddushin in our Gemara Shir, where we were talking about the nature of how um, how people used to uh, cultivate orchards of trees. You know, in the old days, maybe they even still use this method today. But if you didn't have a seed or you didn't want to destroy the tree, you didn't, so you could take a branch of the tree, you could take the top of the tree. And if it was if it was malleable enough, you could bend it down into the ground, and uh, it would sprout another tree out the other side. So, you know, this this exactly is the idea. Um, the a, a, even a branch can be planted to produce uh, an entire tree. You know, with with all its with all its components. And so, this is the metaphor um, with which Chazal used to uh, describe the concept of Torah and Mitzvah. That every single word, every single letter, every single mitzvah contains with it all the mitzvahs of, uh, you know, of of everything. So inside Torah, embedded into each uh, expression of Torah, is uh, is an entire is an entire um, expression of Torah itself. Uh, there were famous uh, ideas that uh, great Rabbonim uh, demonstrated based on this principle. We've uh, We've actually quoted the Grah on this a number of times. <clears throat> but the, 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 the anecdote with the Gaon of Vilna is <clears throat> that he was, he had made a statement um, in a, in a, amongst a group of his Talmidim. Uh, the story goes that they were sitting at a pigeon aben and uh, they asked him to say over a vort, or somebody may have asked him. You know, they were discussing the concept of Pijan Aben, and and the grass said that every mitzvah in the entire Torah can be found in the word Bereshit. You know, all you need is those six letters, and you can write. You know, you, you can just generate a hint to all of the six hundred and thirteen mitzvot. And so they were being at the Pijan Aben. They asked him about this uh, this mitzvah, and he um, he got them to. To focus on the six letters of the word Bereshit, Betresh Aleph, Shin Yutaf, 
Um, and if you break the word down, those six letters, you can uh, out of each each letter, it's an acronym. And the 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 Bet Reish Aleph Shin Yutaf stands for Bet Ben Rishon Achar Shloshim Yom Tifte. Your firstborn son after thirty days shall you redeem. Um, that that was the kind of concept that you could. With, with enough uh, creative thought, you could you could you could extract all of the mitzvahs of Torah from the word Bereshit. The story carried on that uh, they asked about a Brit, and he said uh, he said, "Yeah, if if you see the the six letters again, Bet Reish Aleph Shin Yud Taf. So the the central letters, the two middle letters, Aleph Shin is Achar Shmone, and then the letters that are left spell." Bet Reish Yutaf is Brit. And I think the, the last example that was in this anecdote in the story was that he even claimed that not only are you able to extract all the mitzvahs of Torah from that word Bereshit, but even, even mitzvot Rabbanan, uh, which were which were going to, you know, Minhagim, mitzvot Rabbanan that were going to be, be that the Chazal were going to generate, you know, only generations later. Could also be extracted from there. And the example that was given was um, they asked the as to how to uh, see within the letters the minag or the din that we have the rabbinic mitzvah that every week we revise the text of the Torah twice, shnai mikra, and then echad targum. And the resolution went like this: He said, the middle aleph is. Uh, you know, uh, also the the first letter, the, the the first letter bet of the word, and the last letter tough of the word is bet Torah. Twice, you should you should read over the Torah text. The middle aleph is achat unculus. You do it once with uh, you do it you do it with with the targum, and then if you can't understand the targum, the letters that are left are reishin yud, which is Rashi. So this is a, a just an exciting, wonderful anecdote of the Gowan's uh, creativity, and and I think that's where the, that's where I remember the story stopping. Um, but you could you can try it yourself. You can you can look at the six letters and you could say, well, you know, I could I could uh, come up with Yud Reish Aleph as Yurei Shabbat, and so you could keep on doing this and see how far you get. But the principle is now understood that this uh, this metaphor of the interconnectivity of Torah um, is played out with these ideas of Torah being an Eitzchayim Hila Machazik Yimba and the metaphor of a body is exactly understood in this in this way as well. Now, the Beit HaLevi continues uh, to describe this um, and, uh, and, and he also echoes the sentiment of the Malot Torah and um, he, he he uses this metaphor, you know, to to understand or to explain a Mishnah in Masechet Avot, in third parak of Pirkei Avot, Mishnah Yud, where the Mishnah there says, Anybody who forgets one of his um, pieces of Torah that he learned, you know the you know the Torah considers it such a, an insult that somebody forgets the Torah and um, it, it sees the Torah that is being forgotten as so crucial to the person's existence that 
the Torah looks at, at this person who's forgotten his Torah, as if he's, uh, he's done something so bad that, um, you know, he's put his life on the line here. And, and, and this, is, this is how responsible an individual is for forgetting a piece of Torah. Now, um, Rav, Hut, Rav Hutna uh, has an essay which he interprets and he gives us an interesting way of, of looking at this. You know, Rav Hutna basically says like this, that a person, you know, a, a regular functioning individual with a, with a, with a functional memory um, generally works along the following lines. You will never forget something that is deeply important to you. Um, so if you forget something, it means it didn't touch you as deep as it as it could have or should have. And so this is the idea that a person who can forget a piece of Torah means that it never got into you on the level that it should have. And it never remained steadfast in your kishkas. Now, of course, the physical mind can deteriorate. So we, I'm assuming we're not going to go there. But you do find incredible examples of where, you know, a person can lose their mind and yet certain things are still there and you're trying to work out how they still remain. Okay, that's a, that's a, a discussion. But the concept is, is that if you want something to remain alive in your memory, um, it, it, it would depend on how important that is, that, that, that concept really is to you. How much, on what level of your neshama does it touch? So a vort that is is uh, appreciated by you, a uh, chidush, if it really makes the impression, then the chances are you'll remember it better. So anyway, this is one way of looking at this concept that a person, that the Mishnah holds an individual responsible uh, literally on his on the level of his life, so to speak, um, uh, with, with regard to him forgetting, forgetting Torah. So, okay. You know, the question, you know, there are Mephoshim who discuss the nature of how Torah was taught, learned, remembered in the days of old when there was no way to really write it down properly um, and everything was everything was learned by pair. Then you could really say, well, you know, if you forgot it then, then, uh, you know, it's completely lost. You can't even retrieve it. But nowadays when we're able to write it down, um, Maybe it's maybe that's maybe it's not as, as severe to forget. You know, you know, the bottom line is is that at least from a Musa point of view, you know, it's berating us to uh to to treasure Torah to such a level that when you hear something, you remember it because it touches you on that on that on that deep level. Anyhow, the you know that that pas that missionary in Masechet Avot quotes a Pasuk as a source for this particular idea. So Pasuk in Pasha Beit Hanan, where the Pasuk says that every single day a person should be um, impacted by the fact that you stood under, you stood by Har Sinai and, and your Neshama um, had, a, had an, an inkling of what went on there. Anyway, it's, the Ramban considers this Pasuk as as a as a mitzvah, such that 
the pasuk says as follows: Raki Shamelacha, you know, you should be, you should really guard within you, Ushmor Maod, and be very conscientious, you know, and not forget all of those things that 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 your eyes have seen. Now, this means that you don't forget your Torah. And uh, and the Ramban who has uh, a particular affinity to this to these ideas of different um, the, the six different zikhirot that one is supposed to say every day, this is one of them. You know that uh, you're not allowed to forget the Mamar Um Anyway, this is the idea. Mamar Sinai, it should impact you and make do, do whatever you can. You know, pent is very much to make sure that you to make sure that you don't forget anything. Now, on that Mishnah in Pirka Avot, there's a parish called the Midrash Shmuel, um, who who uh, who asks the following. He says, he says, or he he proposes the following. He says, the Mishnah's telling us. Um, that we're not allowed to, anybody who forgets anything of his learning is Um Now, and then it quotes this particular Pasuk. So the Mishnah says, A person who, who loses one bit of Torah, the Pasuk says, you know, is the Mishnah, is the pasuk they're different so how does he asks how, as powerful an idea as it is how does the mishnah um you know base its concept that you uh you know that you're in trouble uh by forgetting even one detail of torah on a pasuk which only which only uh calls you to account uh after forgetting hadvarim a lot of your torah Anyway, so the Medrash Shmuel offers the following, that once a person understands the interrelationship of Divrei Torah, one realizes that you cannot forget one thing without forgetting everything. If every, if every, if every detail of Torah is so interconnected that it contains, you know, every single item of Torah, then the Pasuk is telling you that the way to forget everything is just to forget one thing. Because one seed contains the entire DNA of the whole tree. So one Hirush, one, one, one Dvar Torah contains everything inside there. Now, the the Beit the, the comes back and tells us that's why Paraduma is labeled as Zot Chukata Torah. We asked Say zot chukata para. Even if it's a chok, it doesn't mean that the rest of Torah is a chok. You know, and therefore it would be more appropriate to say the paraduma is zot chukata para. But now, once we understand that each mitzvah, you know, contains within it um, a, a a a subset of other mitzvahs, so. It means that every mitzvah contains within it every mishpat and every chok that there is. And so that deep down, really, 
every mitzvah has an element of chok. So every mitzvah has an element of paraduma embedded in its its kishkas. There'll be no such there'll be no mitzvah which will ever ever be completely understood because in every single mitzvah there's an element of chok. Um, and and therefore this is what the understanding behind this definition is. Yes, at, at first glance, this is the greatest chok, Zot Chukata Torah. But we could have said that by saying Zot Chukata Para, and then the Torah of Shabbat would have said, this is the greatest chok. But by saying Zot Chukata Torah, it's taking the greatest chok and telling you that that an, an inability to understand Paraduma is re, a component of that is really present in every single mitzvah that exists. And if if this understanding is accurate, you know, the Beit HaLevi now suggests this is what got to Shlomo HaMelech, and this is what he meant in his Pasuk. You know, so Shlomo HaMelech is busy learning through all of Torah, and he's working with his uh, tremendous Gebench Tukop that Akash Baruch gave him, and that, that, that he can uncover the depths of every element of Torah. And so as he travels through Torah, he learns one mitzvah after the next, you know, and he's he's getting it. He's, he's like, he's putting his time in and he's able to open up, you know, the depths of all of Torah. And then eventually he gets to Parshat Chukat. You know, and, and yeah, it says, Zot Chukat Torah. And he starts to try and, you know, invest all his intellectual koyach and his, his IQ, his EQ, every bit of koyach that he has to try and understand what's going on. And at the end of the whole exercise, he comes along and he admits, I thought I'd be able to understand the mitzvah of Paraduma properly. But it's completely beyond me. And then as he realizes that the mitzvah of Paraduma is beyond him, then all of a sudden, he, you know, a shiver goes down his spine because then Shlomo Melech realizes that if he doesn't understand Paraduma, then there must be a, an element, a DNA of, of, of Paraduma in every other mitzvah. And therefore, what he thought in the beginning was, okay, so I've got 99% of Torah down pat, but I don't have this 1% of Paraduma. And then he realizes, no, 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 no. What's really scary is that he thought he understood everything. But now he sees that everything is actually beyond him. And that's what Shomar Melech you know, reflects on in the rest of the Pasuk. Rachok everything that I've already been through and I thought I understood. Now that I bumped into the Paraduma, which is Rachokami many, so now I appreciate that uh, that everything, that all of my understanding of all mitzvot was not was not complete, was flawed. Who can really understand the, the, the true depth of, of, of Torah? And so this is the mitzvah that, uh, that we don't understand, Zot Kukata HaTorah, but it gave us to understand a concept that explains all of Torah. And therefore, Zot Kukata Para really becomes Zot Kukat HaTorah. That's the, that's the, the Chidush of, uh, of the Beit HaLevi. And so this, um, this concept here, um, 
I heard uh, I heard uh, um, a sheer by uh, Rabbi Emmanuel Bernstein Schlitter on uh, on this, and he he um, he gave a reference to a point that um, there's a there's a, a midrash rabba on the paraduma where the midrash rabba says that the paraduma contains within it the key to geula kibbutz galuyot the ingathering of the exiles. Um, the word, the word, tamima, paraduma tamima. Uh, the Torah defines the 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 the, the, the paraduma, the red heifer, as being it's, it's only kosher if it's tamima, asher ein ba'mum that has no blemish within, asher lo all that has never been uh, hooked up to a yoke and worked. Uh, and the medrash uh, links each one of these expressions to one of the the arba galuyot. That we experience, Aduma is is Bavel, Tamima is Paras Persia. That's how the the Medrash goes, and the Paraduma represents the 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 you know the vicissitudes of Bnei Israel throughout the exile, uh, but ultimately the Paraduma is the cause of of the Gula. Um, but yeah, this is the you know we we find something interesting. It sounds like that, you know, through the paraduma, the gula will come. But the problem is, you know, when we need it, when we need the paraduma, we don't have it. So part of being in Galut is that we don't have access to the paraduma. So how do we fulfill the mitzvah of paraduma? Um, which is the, which is in, in, as far as this midrash is concerned, is the recipe to extricate ourselves from the Galut. Um, but but we need we need the parad to, to, to get out. But galut means that we that that, that we don't, we've lost the privilege of having it. And so yeah, the words of the Beit Halevi, you know, take shape. The mitzvah of the paraduma, as one of the tariad mitzvot, uh, may be beyond us, you know, at uh, you know, in our day and age. But but every other mitzvah that we have has an element of paraduma in it. And it's that element of each mitzvah which is actually the hardest to keep because each mitzvah has that part of it which you find impossible to understand. You know, that, that's 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 the point here. And so there's a paraduma in every mitzvah. But if we are if we are committed to the world of Torah and mitzvah, so the ability to fulfill all the other mitzvahs properly. Because each of the other mitzvahs have um, a component of paraduma, that's how galut will eventually be, you know, be achieved. Because you know we 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 get to the paraduma through the back door, because there's a component of paraduma in every mitzvah, and so the commitment to each mitzvah is represented by the paraduma in 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 the other six hundred and twelve mitzvahs, and that. That hopefully that commitment will demonstrate or come together uh, and bring all the, the the depths of merit that exist in in uh, in Kiumamitzvot to a point where they eventually combine uh, to the schut of Klal Israel and, uh, and 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 draw us out of the out of the out of the dreadful galut. And so hopefully it would uh, you know the study of the paraduma, recognizing that there's a component in each mitzvah, and with uh, Aemuna intact, 
as we uh, push towards the world of Shemirat HaMitzvot, hopefully we'll, we'll give us this, uh, this promised uh, Tara process and bring us back to where we should all be. Okay, so uh, I'll leave that with you. I wish you a, a lovely Shabbos. Shkach, Rabbi, shkach. And um, yeah, well, uh, I think we're going to go on holiday now. I think there's holidays coming up. So, can we come, can we come with? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so two week, two week break. Yeah, so we'll we'll break for holidays, and then um, um, if I don't go away, and I'm still yeah, I'll I'll I can touch base on the WhatsApp, and we'll see if we can go further. But um, um, anyway, in principle, that's the that's the concept. Uh, you know, we can uh, we'll take a break for two weeks. Brilliant. Shkach, Rab, have a good Shabbos. Okay, all the best. Wish you long, wish you long life. You got to meet me last night. There was something in the newspaper on Shabbos. Uh, I get the Australian on Shabbos. Right. So um, there's an article that CSLs come out with a drug. Uh, it costs $3.5 million for one dose. You only have to take it once. And it cures a certain... A disease that uh, it's a one-time fix because it actually reprograms your genetic profile. What disease? Um, it is. Um, it is uh, hemophilia B. Hmm. Oh. Is uh, is Robert Blackman gone? No, no, I'm here with you. Ah, okay. So um, uh, I just happened to mention this to Terry Diamond, and he said that th this is something that's uh, is becoming mainstream now. That they actually programming people's genetic disposition if it's got something that is critical, like this um, hemophilia B, mm -hmm. where they can with one dose they can fix it. Wow, and uh, apparently this is now the the big way to to change people, especially with uh, you know somebody who's got a genetic problem from birth. Right, you can actually reprogram your genetics so that you don't. So, for example, if you're uh, got a new, new um, motor neuron disease like Dennis had, you can reprogram your cells if you catch it in time. Wow! Yeah, that opens doors. Woo. Can you? Can you? It's just—it's mind-boggling what they're doing. Sounds right, like right. So, oh, yeah. luckily, can you do it? What's the What's the issue there? I don't think there's a problem at all. But you're changing the DNA, though. You're changing your. Listen, you can do whatever you need to do uh, to have a refuah. You know, that's the idea. Hmm. Um, yeah, but the fact that something, yeah, I guess I hear what you're saying, though, in relation to what we said. Mm. Um, yeah, I wonder if you could do that psychologically too. Well, you know, I guess that's the door that's going to open for all. Uh, you know, well, did you see understand the networking of the entire body? Well, did you see this thing now that um, they they had this thing in Israel where they invited Netanyahu to this factory where they're producing uh, meat that has got actual animal cells in 
and they can actually mass produce steaks and uh, oh, that are, yeah, that burgers seen. and stuff like that. And, and, and they're talking about all the halakhic implications, whether you can have a cheeseburger if it's got a, a, an animal cell in it. Is right, it regarded right. as basar and halav in reality, or isn't it? Because it's a manufactured meat. It's not actually... Yeah, no, I know. I've read some articles on it. I know, yeah. You know, interesting stuff. Okay. Uh, what do you genetics? That's what we... Uh... What did you think of that uh, equivalent chat GPT uh, halachic thing that Jeff showed you? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I showed him one or two points that you could argue with, you know, but... Uh... Yeah, it's phenomenal what these things can do. But the thing is, it, it, it learns. So if you if you take two things out of the the answer on well, the equivalent chat GPT, I don't know what it's called, it actually learns. So if you basically tell it that those two facts are incorrect, then it will go and find some other answer. Yeah, so, I, know, I know, I know. It is just, it's, it's mind-boggling. I know. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah. All right, Rabbi Shkir, good Shabbos. All right, take care, guys. Shabbat shalom. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure, Rabbi. Pleasure. Mark's house here. Oh, how's it? How are you doing? Good, you, Rabbi. Okay, Long time no see.